Welcome back. We hope you've been behaving yourself. This is Jackie Noto. And this is Mary Lewis. Welcome to Behave Yourself, a podcast on BA without the BS. What is your beverageino of the week, Professor Noto, from flat soda to frappe? How's it been going? You know, I've had a, a fairly tumultuous week here, so I'm going to go with a simple lemonade. So it's got water. It's pretty basic. But what I'm operating right now is in my silver linings. And to me, having a little bit of sugar, having a little bit of lemon, that's a huge silver lining of water when you're trying to get yourself to drink more water, having those little add-ins. So we're going to keep it simple. We're going to keep it summer. We're going to keep it fresh. And keeping in mind that things will all be okay. Everything's going to be fine. So something that's light and enjoyable and refreshing, that is going to be my beverageino for this week. We love a seasonal beverageino. You've got to. And on top of this, before anyone asks, I have not tried it, but I did see that McDonald's put out new lemonades and that's absolutely on my radar for something to try because if they can make Coca-Cola taste so good, I want to know what the lemonade's like. As For a real. little kid, I was all about the high C drinks there, which are still amazing to mm -hmm, get. So mm -hmm. I'm sure this lemonade is going to be great and I will try it for us. Thank you so much. We need an update. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the loss on this one just for the Thank collective, you. you know? Thank you uh, so much. <laughs> what is your beverage you know this week, Mary? Mine is also seasonal summer. I am drinking, I'm feeling a poppy orange prebiotic soda. Um, Ooh. I am not saying that this is a healthy beverageino because apparently, even though it's a prebiotic soda, it's got some stuff in it that is not amazing for you. So if there are haters listening, number one, welcome. We're so glad you're here. But number two, please don't come at me. I think it tastes great. It feels very, it's orange. You know, it feels very citrus, very summer. It doesn't have any added caffeine. So I can use it as a cute little beverageino drink in the afternoon and it just feels like summer because per our last episode when we have the very special guest of the board of what do you call it board of spooky uh the spooky council because we have the incredible guest board member of the spooky council on telling us that we can celebrate the spooky spooky season early i will be referring to it as spooky i am ending the summer of course I'm actually ending the summer um, in July and in August, I will be starting spoopy season until the end of Halloween and after Halloween through December, maybe even January, I will be celebrating the winter holiday seasons. I love that for you. Thank Question, you. Question, is the orange like a high C kind of orange or is it like a creamsicle kind of orange? Mm. Ooh, live a test little, analysis. A little taste test. I feel like I can try it and cut it if you can't, but let me see if I can do the ASMR. I heard none of that, but maybe I know you it came didn't. through in the recording. No, it might it might come through in the audio. We'll see. But okay, so it doesn't it doesn't taste like either one of those. It tastes like a it tastes tart. Like it's mm. a tart version of an orange flavor that tastes closer to orange juice as opposed to like orange flavored items mm -hmm. if that makes I like sense that. I like it because it's different it's not like oh it's orange flavored like tastes like classically orange flavor it tastes more quote natural and it has that little tart text 
taste making me think of like the mandarin white claws yes 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 well thank you for your taste bud analysis of what orange failovers were coming through incredible anytime do you have any recommendations for this week i do I'm recently shifting into the mindset and I feel like it's helpful. So I'm using it as my rec, but I'm more, you know, talking it through to hold myself accountable as well, because I'm in the middle of making this mindset shift, planning my schedule based on where I'm at right now and not where I want to be. So ideally, you know, I want to be in my Angelina Jolie, Laura Croft, boss ass bitch era where I am slaying and waking up at 5am and doing a workout and walking my dogs and going to work and being really cute and dressed up and coming home and like cooking dinner and doing all those things. Um, And that's like my ideal life, but I'm not there yet. And I'm also not being compensated via monetarily, but also resource wise to be hitting all of those goals. And that's okay. Like I can still dream about it, but I don't have to force myself into those boxes of some of those requirements right now, because that's not where I'm at. I'm a student. I work from home and I'm doing a lot of intensive writing activities. And so I'm trying to base my schedule more around that. And it has proven to make me feel less guilty and also increased my productivity because, you know, I'm self-monitoring and my graphs are looking great, increasing trend. So that would be my recommendation. You can still, you know, make the vision board, dream about it, plan about it, but don't feel bad if you're not living the schedule that somebody else is. I don't know if anybody else does this, but I like, I'm hard on myself. I'm like, you should have been doing this. And it's like, I don't even have a real job yet. Like, why am I being so hard on myself? I love that for you having that flexibility with your scheduling based off your status. I think that's great. And my recommendation of this week kind of pairs in that as well. So something that I like to do that I don't think I've shared on the podcast yet, but I title it mental health and movement Mondays. Now, this being said, I do still teach Monday evenings, so I still do work on Mondays, but my kind of goal, and it doesn't have to be Monday for you, but I choose one day out of the week where the focus is my mental health and my movement. So typically on those days, I'm engaging in our household behaviors. So I'm resetting. So I like to do that either. I used used to call it mental health and movement Mondays, but now I do it more so on Sundays And it's kind of like your whole house reset. It's where I'm doing the laundry, putting away the dishes, cleaning the counters, sweeping, mopping the floors. And for me, having all of those in one day is really helpful because I've found that if I don't get a bunch of it done in one day, I'm not as productive the rest of the week because instead of doing my work behaviors, I go and do productive procrastination with a house behavior. So when I use a Sunday or a Monday, something at the start or the end of your week to kind of reset the week and have your environment be set up for your success, I found it's been really beneficial for me. And then outside of that, so let's say currently I'm using Sundays, I clean, I meal prep. And then outside of that, like I get to relax. I get to engage in self-care, go to the stream for a little bit, watch drama that's happening on YouTube. I get to cuddle with my dog. So on those days, the focus is resetting up your environment, refilling your cup so that you're prepared for that upcoming week. Yeah. And I think it's helpful to have a whole day theme to it. And the day doesn't matter, obviously, as you you know, you've changed the days, but having, I think it makes it less 
less pressure, less rigid to just have a whole day. Like this is your theme for the day. It's not a strict to-do list. And if you don't get everything done, you know, you failed. It's just, this is the theme of today. We, our values are going to be driven towards this theme for this Mm -hmm. one day. And that's going to make the rest of your week a lot more enjoyable. Absolutely. I mean, and Mary and I do the same thing for like writing behaviors. Mm-hmm. My writing behaviors happen on Thursdays and Fridays. So having days that are code <laughs> coded, but having days that are coded for specific behaviors that you're supposed to engage in helps one to get those behaviors done. But two, life doesn't feel as monotonous mm-hmm. because you're not doing all of the behaviors in all of the categories every day. So you yes. get breaks from some behaviors. So like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I teach. I get breaks from teaching behaviors outside of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I get breaks from cleaning behaviors after Sunday. I get breaks from writing behaviors after Friday. So it's nice to kind of have an alternating schedule. Yeah, and I think it kind of allows the days to be more fun or something to look forward to. Like I've been trying really hard on Fridays to make something fun, whether that's getting, you know, a Starbucks drink before I start work or going to a coffee shop or whatever it may be, taking the dogs to somewhere somewhere else, just changing up your schedule of what you're doing, I think really does make it seem less, you know, stressful and a little tedious sometimes. Oh yeah. But when you have these specifics, something that you got to do to keep them is to maintain your boundaries. Absolutely. And Jackie, what are we spilling the tea on today? So we're extending our conversation from last week. Last week, we were all about specifically technology boundaries. Today, we're going to talk about boundaries more in general and how we can maintain personal and professional boundaries outside of emails because they're prevalent so many other places. Exactly. I guess we should start with direct versus indirect boundaries. So starting off, I would just like to say this is where I'm at, not saying this is the best method, but I usually provide indirect boundaries or I provide boundaries indirectly. And what I mean by that is I'm not usually, I haven't successfully, I know there's a way to successfully do it, but I'm not usually saying directly to someone, whether it's in person or via email, my personal boundary is this. And so therefore I would like this, 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 and I can do it at this time. I'm scared to do it. Um, And also in the times where I've like alluded to that or used any type of therapy speak, um, it's usually punished pretty quickly and pretty severely. So right now I effectively set boundaries, but I do it indirectly. So I'm not directly telling someone via email. I'm not using those like therapy speak buzzwords, even though I'm practicing them. And I try to just model my behavior based on my boundaries and we talked about last week with email so like my email boundaries are within business hours therefore I respond within business hours and that's an example of how I do that you can also kind of blame or like place blame if you're feeling uncomfortable and someone's making you feel bad about your boundaries which is annoying we do not want that but it happens you can just say oh sorry like my well you don't well you don't need to say sorry but you can say like oh yeah my automatic replies are on when I'm not available for my email or my do not disturb is on when I'm getting ready for bed. And, you know, that would be a time where it'd be really stressful for me to check my email or see a calendar invite or anything like that. So you can almost like place blame on some, like something else, like technology, like, ah, technology, like help me be successful. You know, what can you do? I've done that before. And it usually comes off a little less aversive. 
And I, au contraire, I'm a little more direct with my boundaries. Uh, and I want to be crystal clear here. Being direct with a boundary isn't, I cannot meet at that time because I am busy. You can still relay the point in like a professional tone with yeah. the vocal verbal behavior or transcribed verbal behavior that you use. Yeah. But something that's helped me a lot in having like more of direct boundaries is establishing those ahead of time before another instance of the behavior. Mm -hmm. So in that in between, um, and I've done this recently with family, uh, I stated the boundary ahead of time. Hey, I want to let you know that I'm not going to be accepting phone calls after 10 PM regarding the wedding. And that helps, especially with people who care about you, yourself care and your boundaries. Yeah. Because not only does it set the expectation that if you call me, I will not answer, but then it kind of sets them up for success as well, because they're aware that they need to call me before that 10 PM mark, or I won't be answering. There will mm -hmm. not be a response. Mm -hmm. So I like kind of those more direct boundaries and I have to do direct boundaries a little, quite a bit, uh, specifically because I instruct at night. So I teach classes at night. Sometimes I'm teaching till nine, 10 30 at night. So when someone sends me an invite for a meeting at 8 AM, I have to be very clear and direct and say, that doesn't align with what my schedule currently is. And this mm -hmm. is not a standing meeting that I'm going to be able to attend. Yeah. Otherwise I'm working 16 hour days and that, that just doesn't work. No. Absolutely not. I think those were great examples of direct boundaries because I think it's important to note that being direct with your boundaries is not a bad thing at all. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we uphold these boundaries and they are slashed. <laughs> They're violated. Um, and that has happened quite a few times, I think, to both of us. And I also think you should fully expect, especially if you have some elite boundaries, People are going to try and succeed sometimes at violating them. And that I would argue is your responsibility to, you know, provide that feedback or uphold changes in your own life to make sure that you're preventing and protecting yourself from if people decide to go against those boundaries. And also, if you've never told them, then you can't expect people to know your boundaries. So sometimes mm -hmm. you just have to be like, hey, like this is where I'm at. Um, I can't really do that time because of this, whatever, whatever and move on. So it's not people intentionally violating your boundaries though. Sometimes they do, but most of the time they don't. And so we want to share some of the times where our boundaries were violated and how we um, decrease the likelihood of that occurring in the future. Oh yeah. One I really want to open up with here that happens a lot. I know to me as a student and then as someone who is more freelance with their work so I don't work 8 a.m to 5 p.m Monday through Friday mm -hmm. um I have more varied hours and when I'm working for a couple different companies I have extremely varied hours and this being said as someone who works from home I do have a pretty wide availability so I have wide availability limited free time. So just because I can find a place to put a meeting with you at various points during the week, because most of my work happens in the evenings, So I have pretty wide availability during the afternoons doesn't mean I don't have other behaviors I need to be engaging in during that time. So when you're offering those options to people, letting them know that, yeah, here's 16 times I provided to you at which I'm available, but I'm not free for 16 hours worth of meetings. 
I need to reallocate all of my other work from home behaviors to fit around when this meeting is. And something that's really helpful in that too is tracking the hours that you are doing for your research, for your doctorate, for your freelancing for companies and tracking each of those hours and seeing how much time each week are you spending on each of these respected behavior categories. And that really helps to figure out what quote unquote free time you really do have. Yeah. And also making sure that you're allotting for just think time, time to do nothing, especially yes. if you're in that writing flow, time to literally think about time to debrief with your meetings. Um, because that is where I get the most insight. And if I don't plan for that in my day, it doesn't happen. And then I kind of miss those opportunities. And even beyond that time for self-care time mm -hmm. for eating, like the yep. things that most people have scheduled into their days when they have a typical job mm -hmm. schedule. Whereas those of us who have more flexible hours, we still need to keep in mind to program for those behaviors to take place. Exactly. Something I do um, in regards to preventing boundary violations with meetings and with availability is I don't explain myself. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes people will ask why you can't make a meeting. And I don't think there's anything wrong with people doing that. You know, like people are allowed to say whatever they want, but you don't have to tell them. <laughs> Especially if there's a power dynamic involved, that can feel like a little bit of pressure to to over explain. Um, and you don't have to do that. If you do, in my opinion, if you do over explain consistently or even just one time, the likelihood of them asking you again and you over explaining again shoots up. So, which I've done in the past. And also no means no. Like even in that professional sense, no is still no. I don't have to explain why it's no. Sometimes I might do so out of professional courtesy, but like, I don't need to tell you that I have a gynecologist appointment. That's none of your business. No is enough. Yeah. And I think sometimes people are trying to be, um, they're trying to be I don't want to say like kind, like they're trying to be courteous almost, I think by asking like why you can't make it like as if it will help. Yeah. Like making plan. sure you're okay. Right. And that, that intention is kind, but also again, you, you still don't need to explain. So, um, something that I've done that's effective in the past, if I'm directly asked is um, there are times where I've ex I've said exactly what it is. I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. They, they don't need to know. It doesn't matter. You shouldn't have said that, whatever. Um, you can say, oh, I just, I have an appointment. That's what's been the most effective for me. If anyone else has any other word or phrase that they want to share, um, I would love to hear. But for me, if I say the word appointment, that has been um, the punished the least. You know, if I say like, I have a doctor, like I don't, I don't say any of that. Um but whatever it is, it's an appointment. Like it's, it's booked in my schedule. Right. That's and this was in my effective. schedule before your requested meeting. So I'm going to maintain that expectation for myself. Exactly. And then there comes times where you plan to meet and the availability has been scheduled. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you hop on that Zoom call and they are not there. Yep. <laughs> for me... If that happens, I usually give it anywhere from five to 15 minutes. If that has passed, I just end the call. Um, I try to give myself something to do to fill up that time that is planning for the next meeting. 
as if that meeting occurred. So that might look like me spending time working on the task that I was going to talk about in the meeting, or especially if you like have a question, you like need it answered, feel free to send a follow-up email like, Hey, and you don't have to be rude about it. You can just be like, Hey, we didn't get to meet today. No stress. I do have these questions that I would love answered by the time we meet next on X day at X time. I hope everything is well with you. On this note too, I try to make a habit of entering meetings on time. So right, let's say the meeting's at noon. I try to enter that meeting right at noon because sometimes, right, meetings go over. And depending on the situation that you're in, you may or may not feel comfortable leaving that meeting early. But when I enter a call on time, I don't have to feel bad about leaving the call on time because I was there for the expected time slot. So for me, I'm more flexible with this boundary, depending on what we're discussing or who the meeting is with. Um, but this is something that comes up fairly regularly. Uh, and a lot of this is something that comes up, honestly, as well in organizational behavior management research, how we can make meetings more efficient, where they start on time, they end on time, things like yeah. having a task list of things you're going through, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. But I work really hard to not feel bad when you do have to leave on time. And sometimes yeah. that might be because you have another meeting right afterwards, but sometimes it might be because after this meeting is when you have time programmed in your day to eat lunch mm -hmm. before you enter five more hours of work. So not feeling bad about leaving on time is a lot easier when you're showing up on time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, things I do a lot, I've seen other people do it as well. And I think it works pretty well in a group meeting. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, obviously you have to say something, but I think it's totally fine to be like, oh, it looks like we're almost at time. I, I need to, we need to wrap up or I need to hop off the call at this time. And then you, you know, adjust your behavior following. But if it's a group meeting, I'll chat usually. Um, if there's clearly a discussion still going on and I am not a part of the discussion or the time is up, I will send a chat and say, hey, I need to hop to another meeting or or sometimes like, again, you don't need to over explain because sometimes that can like distract from what's going mm -hmm. on. And then it's like, yikes, that was not the move sometimes. That's not the vibe. So I'll just very briefly be like, thanks for joining me. I have to hop off and then hop off. Yeah, keep it light, keep it easy. Easy, breezy, beautiful. My last thing here, specifically when we're talking about meetings, um, and for some of you, this is going to be a hot take. And for some of you, you're going to be like, wow, I wish I had heard this sooner. As women uh, in the workplaces and organizations and settings of uh, collaboration, it can happen where we get spoken over. So you go to say something and someone else interrupts you. I have a very harsh boundary with it, especially as someone who, when I first started, was frequently being interrupted predominantly by male colleagues. So this is a boundary that I set for myself. Uh, and it's going to feel really uncomfortable when you start doing it, but it ends up paying off. Mm -hmm. So when someone when I am speaking, I've already begun speaking, right? I'm in my sentence and someone else starts talking. Of course, you're right. I'm not talking about like my boss starts talking. My boss starts talking, I'll stop talking. But if I'm in the middle of a sentence and someone at a similar level to me, a peer, a colleague, they choose to begin talking in the middle of my talking, I'm going to keep talking. Because if we stop talking, we reinforce that interrupting behavior. Whereas yeah. I continue to talk, 
that's going to work to put that behavior on, on, on extinction. And when you first start doing it, it obviously feels uncomfortable, but anecdotally, what I noticed is you keep talking. And when you take in the microfacial behaviors of the other person, you can kind of see their gears turn in. Mm-hmm. And at first it's like shock that you have continued to speak. And then you see like the furrowed brow of like questioning, why is she speaking still? Mm-hmm. And then the click of, oh, because she was speaking initially. So I've used this before in many uh, meetings and it's been really effective in decreasing those interrupting behaviors to the extent that I have male colleagues reach out and say, hey, I wanted to let you know that I've recognized my interruption behavior and that I'm actively working on it. So if it happens in a call, like, please feel free to immediately give me that feedback because that's not how I want to come across. And of course, that's not always going to be the situation where someone is super accepting, but having that boundary with yourself that when I'm speaking, I deserve to be heard. Looping back to that imposter syndrome. I have the right to be here. I have the right to speak. I've earned my place here. And your speaking is not more valuable than mine, especially when I already began talking. Couldn't have said it better myself. But it's a rough one. It's a rough behavior set to instill in ourselves. It makes you feel like you're being a jerk. But in reality, you are talking and you have valid points that should be heard. And if someone else has a point that's great, they can wait until you're done speaking to share that point. Exactly. Your time is valuable. Your effort is also valuable. Mm -hmm. When it comes to reducing response effort in terms of helping out others, we have some personal professional boundaries that we uphold. Oh yeah. So when I do, I do it to students a lot. Um, if I'm talking about something and a student tax, like, Oh, I'd like help on this. So one example is I have PowerPoints from courses I've taught that go over different task list concepts. And I tell my students, you know, if you are struggling with a certain concept, when you're studying for your final program exam, feel free to tell me the concept you need help with. And I can send you some PowerPoints about it. And then someone will tell me in their vocal verbal behavior during the meeting, oh, I would love that. Please send me an email on it. Here, I maintain a very firm boundary of no, if you, and I don't say it this way, but this is the way I'm going to say it on the podcast. Essentially, if you need something from me, you can email me. And that takes that response effort off of me to one, remember to send the email but then two, to engage in those behaviors. Whereas if I put the expectation on the person who needs help to reach out when they need help, then it's one less thing for me to remember to have to do because it just pops into my email and it goes in that unread section that becomes a taskless item for me next time around. So that's something I'm really firm on that if someone needs help from me, they can email me. I'm not responsible for emailing them with whatever that help is without that prompt. I also think it's a good way to shape the behavior of students figuring out what their actual question is. Because if Mm -hmm. I was in their shoes, I might, and you didn't have that boundary in place, I might say like, oh yeah, like just give me everything you have. But now I have to go through and say, well, what did I get wrong on those previous exams? Or like, what are my exact questions? What topics do I have questions about that I'm still confused about? And then email you that. Exactly. And this literally happened last night. Like one of my students stayed around at the end of class and she was like, I for sure 
want uh, extra help. So please send me an email. And I was like, I hear you. I teach two classes after this class. The odds that I'm going to remember to send you that email are very slim. Mm -hmm. So you still need to email me with that prompt. Yeah. You can be really simple with what you do send an email, but yeah. it, it's, if you need help, that's not on my plate. Right. That's exactly. on your plate. Exactly. Speaking of helping out, we have some boundaries we put in place in terms of volunteering to help. This is as, unique. As healing people pleasers. Amen. As healing, as recovering healing people pleasers. This is a niche situ situation. So when we're talking about this group setting, volunteering to do work, volunteering to help out, this is a workplace where a workplace setting where you're in a group meeting and your pay, like your compensation is not docked, whether you um, volunteer to help or not, or you're a student and your, um, you know, hourly rate that you're paid or your funding is not negatively impacted by whether you volunteer to help or not. We're not saying that. This is a situation where you're in a group setting, you are in a collaborative environment, and everybody has an equal opportunity to help, but you are not punished if you do not help. This extends to like business settings when they want someone to be the coordinator of the birthday parties yeah. or of special events, but it's not paid, but we want someone to help out and do mm -hmm. it. That's a great example, like the holiday coordinator. Mm -hmm. In these situations, think about how often you volunteer to help. You have to do baseline data. So, you know, if you want to help with certain tasks, feel free to volunteer, but then pay attention the next time some this same group has um, a request to help. And what I like to do to protect my own boundaries in terms of response effort for doing tasks that I'm volunteering to do is I pay attention to how often I help out. If I have helped out the past five times and nobody else, I would even, not even that high, two times. If I help out two times and the next time we're in the group meeting and someone says, okay, who wants to help this week? And people say nothing, my mouth is closed. This also prevents moral injury and burnout because just because you can do a skill and you are qualified does not mean you have to do it. And that's what happens with moral injury. You're like, well, I know I could help them if only they would just listen or if only they would follow the TA that I gave them. That's out of your control, boo-boo. Don't worry Preach. about it. You got to move on. So I like to self-monitor how often I, I offer help, even if I can do the task, even if I have time in my schedule. And after I've volunteered a few times, I keep my mouth shut. This is actually something that my mom taught me from a very young age. Oh, and the wow. phrase, yeah, the phrase that she always used was 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but my mom is not a behavior analyst. But the way that she would explain it to me, even when I was a little kid, because she was always the person who was like the leader of Girl Scouts, the leader of Boy Scouts, the volunteer who came and taught like art, the organizer for the book fair, she would tell me, you know, what ends up happening is that 20% of the people, they agree to do the work. Now other people know that they don't have to volunteer. Mm -hmm. So everyone keeps going and asking that 20%. And then the 20% feels like they have to do it because they did it last time. So that was her layman's way to say it, right? But behavior analytically, 
that behavior of not volunteering is being reinforced because someone else has taken that off of the plate anyway. So you don't have to worry about it because you know, Mary's always going to agree to do it. So I'm not even going to volunteer. So when you set up like a boundary that you're not always going to be available is huge. And even on top of this, we talk about volunteering here, but something that Mary and I try to be really big on is when you are taking on extra work, when you are taking on extra responsibilities, you should be getting some form of compensation. Exactly. And this compensation could be in a variety of different paths, right? It could obviously be money. Money is always great, but we also, as freelancers, as up and coming individuals in the field, we can get paid or compensated in other ways, like additional resources, social networking connections, or even publications. Yeah. We are team, um, no unpaid labor. <laughs> yes. That is a huge thing that I've become really passionate about. And um, the owners of the creators of Defy Community have kind of, they were the ones that gave me the support to advocate in that way that I will not be doing unpaid labor. And like Jackie said, it doesn't have to look like being paid financially. Example of non-monetary compensation that I was given recently is I created some content for a membership page. And while they didn't financially compensate me, they gave me very clear instructions. I created the product. They liked the product. They gave me access to their membership that you have to pay for. So I got that for free. And they gave me like an official documentation saying that on my CV, I could list creating this content as a subject matter expert for job crafting to create this, this, this with this company, which I really appreciated. So that can, we're not saying it has to be money necessarily, but you thinking in the mindset of like, how can I be compensated? I think is so important for students, but also in your job, thinking about what are my job roles? Is this outside my job roles? Am I volunteering versus am I being compensated? And how that adjusts based on the task and the job demands that you are being asked to complete. Jose was always really big on paid labor as well. I remember when I first, uh, Jose Martinez Diaz, when I first started working for him, he actually gave me the example of, if you're even thinking about the work that we're doing, make sure that you're clocked in for it. Yeah. He was huge on it. And I have another example like Mary, where it wasn't uh, necessarily financial compensation that took place, but I did some public speaking for a company called We Venture, who prioritizes small business owners and women in business. And in return, I ended up receiving free entry into their women and leadership seminar course, which gave me so many great tools from other women who are in positions of power, who have been, you know, working through systems for a lot longer than I have. So getting one, those network connections, but two, an extra opportunity for continued education for the work that I did. So getting paid can look different ways, but just ensuring that you're getting some sort of benefit from the extra work you're putting in because you're a busy person already. Exactly. Jackie, do you have any other professional boundaries that you want to discuss? I don't have professional ones, but I do have some personal boundaries that I try to do as well if we want to dive into those. I would love to dive into those. At 10 p.m., I'm done teaching class. That's normally like my wind down time. I like to be in bed by midnight without uh, any technology present. So taking a call at 10 p.m. is not beneficial for my wind down behaviors. Yeah. So that's one 
boundary I try to be firm on. I lapsed recently, but that's okay. That's how habits develop. Uh, I try, I've been trying to be pretty firm on no calls after 10 p.m. Anything you need, we could talk about far earlier than 10 p.m. LOL, mine is no calls after like 4 p.m. <laughs> but- different strokes for different folks. But I like what you said about, you know, you um, went against that boundary. You didn't hold that boundary that one time recently. I think when you don't hold the boundary for yourself that you're trying to set instead of, again, this is me trying to like advocate for myself. I do this as well. I'm not saying like, you should do this because I do this perfectly. When I get upset with myself, like, oh, you should have held that boundary. Like you, you always have that boundary. Why did you let it slip this time? If it really impacts you and it means a lot and you're really mad at yourself, I've been trying to flip that to being, um, instead of upset with myself, being aware and accepting that that really did negatively impact my situation. And therefore, the boundary is valuable to me. So in the future, I want to try to uphold it and not be upset with myself if I don't achieve that, but just be aware that it is important to me and this is why I am going to behave in this way. Yeah, you're proving the value. I do have one more phone boundary. So love my mother, but she can be on the phone for a really long time. Uh, Like yesterday, I called to give her an update on my job status. And we ended up being on the phone for like an hour and 45 minutes when I was expecting like a 10, 15 minute call. Uh, So sometimes it can be really helpful to in those situations, whether it be friends, family, or even sometimes in professional realms, to use that same suggestion that I provided earlier. So having, you know, you have to leave the meeting because you have another meeting. So something that's been helpful for me is choosing the times that I call where I do have a strict cutoff for that call, which once again, doesn't work out with calls that are at 10 PM at night, because Mm -hmm. you know, I have nothing else going on. So we can be on the phone for two hours. Whereas if I do a phone call, when I know I have something coming up at six, I can state that expectation at the start of the call. Or if they call me and I have something, Hey, I really appreciate you calling. I want to let you know that I have to hop off in like 15 minutes because I have a a meeting coming up at six. And that's been really helpful for me as well. Um, in just using my time effectively, because I still do want to talk to these people. I love these people. I care about these people. And setting it up in a way that's mutually beneficial, where they still get to hear updates, they still get to talk to me, but it works with the rest of my schedule for that day. Yeah, and I think the Gen Zs on TikTok have um, made me kind of dread phone calls as well, the way they describe it. And that's why I really like voice memos, because it's it's kind of like calling, but you can listen to it on your own time. And you can also talk like I can talk for 10 minutes and record the voice memo and send it to them. And I don't feel the pressure of like, wow, that was a 10 minute explanation. And when someone sends me a voice memo, I can say, amazing, I can see this is three minutes, I can listen to it right now in the car. I can see this is 20 minutes, I'm going to wait until I'm on a walk with my pups and then listen to it. Another personal boundary I have that is not really related to these in terms of friendships and recovering from people pleasing is if I have planned to do something with a friend and it's a specific activity, location, event, uh, food item, you know, anything of the sort, and they let me know like ahead of time or at the very last minute that they are not able to go, I still do the activity. This has been helpful for me to not hold grudges and set unrealistic expectations for friends 
if we plan something because I have to bail every once in a while and sometimes it is last minute and that's life. But um, sometimes if you're on the receiving end of that, it can make you feel a little icky and that's just unrealistic expectations. We don't need to do that. So a way to hold myself accountable is to do the activity myself. And also it makes it something to look forward to. And I think it helps with my anxiety because I'm not anxious about like, oh, are they going to bail? Like, am I going to have to not do this? Did I waste all this time getting ready for this event? I'm like, no, I'm going to do it no matter what. And if they can't make it, that's okay. And next time will I be maybe a little more firmer with my boundaries if they consistently bail on me last minute? Maybe, but that's okay. That's, that's all a part of shaping behavior. So that's another one of my personal boundaries that I like to uphold. Um, Oh, that's related to friends, though. So on the topic of friends, should we discuss friend boundaries or just things that we like to do to maintain strong, healthy, well-being friendships? Oh, yeah, I'm so in. So a big one for me, (laughs) I'm a planner. Uh, If we were to break down the behaviors that are entailed in a type A personality, I'm more type A than I am type B. Jackie is about to validate everything that I just explained in different words, and I'm so obsessed. Please continue. I do every once in a while like doing something spontaneous, but for me, for the most part, if I'm expected to be at a place, if you want us to dress up and go out, if you want to go do a thing all day at some fair, some festival, I need to know in advance. I need communication ahead of time. I do not want to hear about it the day of that you want to go do this thing in two hours. That being said, if it's like going to the pool, going to the movies, going out for dinner, fine. But if it's going to require a lot of response effort for me, like a night out where I'm doing my hair, doing my makeup, finding what I want to wear, shaving my legs, uh, figuring out a dog sitter, figuring out when and where I can come home to take care of my dog, I need to know ahead of time. And most of my friends, I guess all of my friends are pretty aware of this, even if they're not like specifically aware, Jackie needs to know ahead of time. But for the most part, no one's asking me the day of to go do these events anymore, which I guess maybe is just part of adulthood is everyone now does have jobs, does have work, do have responsibilities and commitments. But for me, if you're telling me the day of and something's in an hour and it's going to be like a six hour event, it's not happening. So I really like to have advanced knowledge of plans and the specific of what the plan is. I think we talked about this before. We're like, I like to look at the parking. Parking gives me anxiety. So that's something I want to know ahead of time so I can figure out how I'm going to be most happy doing this event. Speaking of anxiety, I'm the same way as Jackie. And speaking of anxiety, Another friend boundary that I try to maintain for my own anxiety and really nothing else is if we have an activity planned and I'm getting ready and we do the activity, if there organically pops up another activity that could occur immediately after the first activity, uh, I'm out. Your girl's out. Um, Sometimes that can be a little awkward and uncomfortable, but I've been trying to get better about saying like, it's not it's not you it's me my social but, battery is tapped yeah good it day just, <laughs> the un not knowing how long the next activity is going to take really stresses me out because I didn't plan for that and that's where I'm at in my anxiety journey and I think that's totally okay to communicate that with friends um it might seem like you're bailing but you did the first activity you don't want to do the second one 
So you should be able to say, I don't want to do the second one and move on. And if they give you a really hard time about that, then that might be a red flag. Right. Because like we said in that professional boundary setting, no means no. And no means no, even in friendships. Yeah. When someone says they're unavailable, when someone says they don't want to, that shouldn't be something that we re-ask the question different ways, additional times to see if we can change their response. No is no. And if your friends can't validate that and can't accept that, then maybe that's something for us to reevaluate. Couldn't agree more. Lastly here, we wanted to give you some of our favorite cop-outs when we're trying to maintain our boundaries. And some of these, right, are valid and true. They're all valid and true, but it's just like when upholding boundaries are hard and sometimes it's hard to explain without over-explaining. So this is like, these are our go-tos that are very real and very valid. So my numero uno, (laughs) sorry, I can't go to event number two. I need to go home and let my dog out. Yes. That's a great one. It's something that seems like, you know, an easy fallback, which it absolutely is, but it's also true. Like we've been hanging out for five hours and you want to go do something else for a couple of hours. I need to go let my dog out. Yeah. That's an amazing one. And sure. Could he in theory be fine? I I mean, I know he'd be fine not going to the bathroom for eight hours, but do I want to do that to my dog when I don't have to? No. So I like to use Hercules a lot to help me maintain my boundaries because when it's like just me, it's one thing, but when it's both a boundary for me and my dog, people receive that very well. Yes. I try to spread the news that I go to bed early because number one, it's true, but number one, it, but number two, it helps, um, upholding my personal boundaries. If it's getting late and be like, Oh, I need, I usually go to bed early or I need to get to bed early, which is true. Um, I will use that a lot. And that's normally received pretty well because people are like, oh, oh yeah, that's, that is true. You you do normally go to bed at like 8 p.m. Wow. Like, whoo, gotta take care of yourself. And I'm like, I know, right? And even if you don't go to bed early, you could still use an excuse in the same uh, vibe. So you could say, you know, I'm really sorry. I can't go out tonight. I have a really big day tomorrow. Mm Mm-hmm. Big day could be the work you have to do. It could be extra commitments. It could be calling your family and discussing a wedding. It could be taking your dog to the beach. Yeah. Whatever it is, you have a big day tomorrow. So you can't do this today. Exactly. Another thing I like to do that emphasizes like, oh, I have a big day tomorrow. I go to bed early is um, it's a technology boundary, which we've talked all about, but I put my phone on do not disturb. I do that really, really often to the point where people have texted me before and said, wait, you're awake right now? Why did you just respond? Which I love because I'm like, yeah, like, so I'll use do not disturb quite often. I did this to Mary a couple of days ago. Me as a night owl, I opened up TikTok and it was like, Mary, oh, oh no, you share your last name. Mary Lewis active 12 minutes ago. And I'm like, Mary goes to bed at like 8.30. Why is she on TikTok at midnight? So I sent her a message and was like, is everything okay? (laughs) Yes, I fell asleep to ASMR. I listen, people either hate it or they love it. I love ASMR and I listen to it on TikTok and sometimes it helps me fall asleep and I had it playing. Love it, love it. Uh, My last one here depends on your embarrassment levels, depends on who you're with. (laughs) But, you know, as someone who is lactose intolerant, this has been a real excuse for me before. I forgot my lactate. I need to go home. Point blank yes. period. 
Yes. We also, that just reminded me another, like if you have any, I don't really want to talk about food at all, but if you have any um, nutrition boundaries, something that comes off a lot better than, or drinking like any, any beverage, food beverage, you can say I'm allergic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You would just say I'm allergic. Or if someone's offering it or, oh my gosh, if you're in someone's home and they're like, here, like try this. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm allergic. I've had to do that before. My palate, my food palate is like that of a three-year-old. Um, if somebody in, I'm like at somebody's home, they make a home cooked meal. I can't shove that down my throat if I don't like it. I am so sorry. So I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I have an allergy that would really hurt my stomach, but I'll love to try this, 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 this. That's another good tip that I use a lot. The way I feel about a lot of these cop-outs is they're kind of like some sometimes they're very true like the dog thing is almost 100% factual mm-hmm. but they're kind of like white lies and it's just to help you to reinforce that boundary with something that you think would be more accepted by the group that you're in so uh this is just like a starter tool and if you can communicate those boundaries fluently with your friends that's amazing that's a great sign mary and i are really easily able to communicate what boundaries we have what boundaries we don't have so like I would never have to be like, well, I have to go home because I have a big day tomorrow. To Mary, I could be like, Mary, my social battery's tapped. I've got to oh, go. Yeah. Mary's like, going to go, yeah, that sounds great. Have a good night. It was great yeah. seeing you. Yeah. So also, right, view these as some ways to start advocating for yourself, but also be evaluating the dynamics you're in. And as time goes on, if you're not feeling comfortable just explaining what your boundary is to someone, that maybe that's something to evaluate as well. Exactly. So on this uh, self-care train, I know how are you staying hydrated this this week? This whole episode, I hope all of our tips make you feel even more hydrated. Same. This week, I'm staying hydrated by implementing a dense schedule of breaks. I'm on some rather large writing deadlines and I'm really excited about that. But that means that I'm doing a lot of thinking Got a lot of words and phrases coming out of this noggin that need to be professional. And that means I need to take breaks more often. And there have been a few times this week where I've completed a task, but I've given myself longer. Like I give myself two hours to write this one thing and I do it in an hour and a half. Instead of saying, yes, I did it early. I'm going to move on to the next task. I say, pause. This would be a great time to take a break and to further reinforce myself for being efficient, but not saying that I just, I, uh, what's the saying? Rest is deserved, not earned. You literally did this today. I did. Oh my gosh, I did. We were in a meeting and it ended early and Professor Noto asked me, do you want to start now? Or do you want to utilize these 12 minutes that we have as a break? And I said, literally I said break please exclamation point plz once again great example of stage you correspondence from our host mary uh yes of course what about for you jackie what how are you staying hydrated this week so as i opened here it's a bit of a tumultuous week in the life (laughs) of miss noto one way that i've been taking care of myself this week is turning back to childhood comforts So one of the things that I have is a really big, really soft blankie. So like the other day, even though it's hot as heck outside, you know, my apartment's air conditioned. So I cuddled on up in my big fuzzy soft blankie. I had some mac and cheese. Mm. So I've just been tuning into those childhood comforts that are just, 
you know, making everything that's going on a little easier for me, a little smoother, giving myself that break that not only is a pause in activity, but refills my cup quickly. I love that. Honoring the inner child. You've got to. She's in there screaming. Hey, why do we do stuff every day, all day? When's the last time you did a cartwheel? Yeah, for real. And with that self-care being covered, that wraps up this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to make waves, collect data, and as always, behave yourself.